you, Paul. Thank you, uh, uh, Brother John, for uh, uh, joining us for our addiction recovery series uh, for the Muslim community. Uh, this is organized through uh, the Muslim Food Bank, the Muslim Care Center, Aspire, and uh, sponsored by Islamic Relief. And uh, the purpose of this, uh, this series is to really uh, highlight uh, a problem in our community, which is addiction, particularly mm-hmm. alcohol and drug addiction. And although in Canadian society, it is a, uh, a common thing, uh, alcohol and drug use, but uh, alcohol and drug use that become uh, to the point where it's a serious problem and where it becomes a dependency and an addiction. And of course, Islamically, um, drug and alcohol abuse is prohibited, yet uh, we all know, many people know uh, in our Muslim community that, that uh, many in our community are uh, abusing drugs and alcohol, either recreationally or uh, being addicted to it. So uh, I, I want to commend our speaker today, uh, Brother Gian, who's uh, grown up here in Canada and has been through the school system like I, uh, I have in, in public schools. And uh, we, we do know there's a, a dual type of education, which is uh, uh, one is the formal education, of math, science, and English, but then there's the, the peer pressure of what the kids like to do, which is uh, drinking and alcohol. And now we, we realize that starting at a young age, even grade five, grade six, grade seven, which may be shocking to some Muslim <laughs> families, but, but it's true in, in, in public schools. And then it becomes very, very, very common and in high school and then in university years and more common than uh, what the, uh, families that are from other countries may expect. So with that in mind, uh, again, Brother John, thank you for joining us and thank you for telling us your story as the, the goal to help our community learn from you, learn from your experience as, as, as uh, a Muslim member of our community that's, that's gone through the process and has come out the other side from addiction. So Brother John, please introduce yourself. Assalamu alaikum. I'm, uh, my name is Jian, and uh, you know I'm a I'm a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, and then in the Muslim community as uh, like you know part of the Muslim Food Bank, and then jumped in with the Muslim Care Center. You know the it's it's such a great blessing that uh, you know like Allah has uh, granted me with such an amazing uh, I guess barakah to get to be sitting here right now because uh it's like brother Tark was saying growing up in canada it was uh, com- like, as first generation i can specify that because like you know i came here when i was about four or five years old and my my parents were young were young and at the same time you know we, we came over from uh, the middle east slash asia right and uh what ended up happening is there was a cultural disconnect right off the bat you're coming up in the public school system in in Canada. You think differently than your parents. You're you're raised differently by your schoolmates than your parents were, and like you know your interactions and in community, and even sports and any type of uh, like any type of um, like a community base is completely different. Even at the masjid, it's completely different than it is back home. So what ended up happening is like you know I. I grew up and then, you know, on the weekends, we were going to Quran classes when I was about 10 years old, my sister and I, and I'm the oldest of four siblings. And what ended up happening is uh, we would go to school and you 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 have to act a certain way with your classmates. You have to act a certain way with your teachers. You have to act a certain way with your parents when you come home and your siblings. 
and in a different way when you're at the masjid and in a different way when you're when you're uh, with your sports teams, you know, because I was I was full on in all, all the sports. Alhamdulillah, you know, I was grew up doing martial arts, playing soccer. I was on the basketball team and on the volleyball team and stuff like that. And and anything I could do to stay active, like I was all about it, right? So I was growing up bike riding, and I got to do I got I got to learn how to snowboard and do all the stuff. Like you know, living in Vancouver. I got to experience it all. Alhamdulillah. What a great blessing. You know, like my life was great. There wasn't any, 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 like, you know, any turmoil in the house, right? There wasn't any like physical abuse. There wasn't any emotional abuse Like my parents were together. They never got separated. Right. But Alhamdulillah, like all the things on the outside that look so nice, like we had it all. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing was I was chasing acceptance, I wanted to be part of, and that was the, that was a difficult part, right? Because when you go home and your parents don't speak the exact same language as you do when you go to school. And, you know, sometimes you compare yourself with the kids, parents who were born and raised here and they're not first generation. And then like, you know, all the immigrant families, now you have to like, uh, you know, I guess, uh, chase acceptance, right. And, um, try to be part of the community and try to fit in. That was, that's where I guess the divide started was trying to fit in and be part of the cool kids. Cause if you're not part of like, you know, if you're not part of at school, then where are you going to be part of? Right. So that's where the cultural divide started. Like even growing up in the youth group at the mosque and everything like that, doing all the Islamic camps. And, you know, I had tons of friends who brothers and sisters that are in, in the youth group as well. And, you know, like, once high school hit, nobody told us that there was going to be sex, drugs, you know, parties and what to look for, what to navigate around. And it's all like, this is haram. That's halal. This is haram. That's halal. Black and white. Nobody told us about that gray area, you know, in your adolescence and, and in your youth, you're, you're developing. There was no like setup for that. There was no pre- precautionary steps. It's not like my parents didn't know how it was here. Right back home is a little bit different than it is here and there's a lot of mingling here as well like back home there's boys school and girls school right here and you're just meshed in so that definitely was a huge part of that and you know alhamdulillah there wasn't social media when i was in high school i just i wonder how it is now right but uh yeah so that being said that's where like you know the weed and the alcohol kind of started and um you know i slowly started to drift away from the youth group and the mosque life and then uh you know wasn't going to the masjid as much you know i'd go uh and then i started to try to hang in with the older crowd right the the older guys that had the nice cars that had the women that had the money and obviously to have that in your late teens you either come from money or you get that respect and fear from drug dealing and in that and in, in that type of lifestyle so that's where I gravitated towards because I wanted the respect, acceptance, and being part of again, right? It was always part of that. And mashallah, with my back, with my martial arts background, I was able to blend in quite well. And uh, you know that that's where my life kind of took off in that direction. And I soon thereafter realized that you know my parents, uh, you know, I was making money, I was doing this, but I was I was in an addiction that I didn't even realize, right? It was addiction for money, power, women, prestige and all the material stuff, but there was this emptiness inside. And a lot of people chase this kind of stuff, but I was only 18 at this time. And I had a, 
a bunch of amazing things that people chase their whole lives, right? And uh, I got it all right away. As soon as I finished high school, everybody started going to university colleges. I didn't know what I wanted to study. So I'm like, let me make some money. That way I could pay for my tuition. I don't need to come out with student loans. And that's where the mentality was, right? We didn't set up for at that time for any uh, like school savings and stuff. Like I didn't come from a super, super uh, well-off family as well, right? So it was just, uh, you kind of had to fend for yourself in some of those aspects, right? My parents did tell me, go to school, go do this, go do that. But obviously when you're raised here and then there's that cultural disconnect, then uh, definitely you, you don't listen to everything. For me especially, right? I can only speak from my experience. But uh, that being said, alhamdulillah, I got an opportunity to go overseas. And then through that whole process, I, I stepped away from drugs and alcohol for a bit. And then when I came back, then I went to you know college, university, and then like in, in that whole mix, it all happened again. That's where there's another disconnect as well, right? No, nobody tells you. Like there, there's a Muslim Student Association and this and that throughout all the universities and, and whatnot. There's interfaith centers, but you know, at that time you're just in let's drink, let's network, let's do this, let's do that. It, it's all over the place, right? And you're growing and you're still trying to get an identity, right? And like I said, there's a mask at home, mask at Juma prayer if you go, and then there's a mask with your friends on the weekends and like coworkers and stuff like that. So all of that meshed, you get to lose yourself in all of it, right? So when you have that emptiness and that void, I like to call it the Allah-sized void, <laughs> the God-sized hole inside, and you just try to fill it. You try to fill that vacancy with drugs and alcohol and, like, you know, try to control your emotions and your unmanageability of those feelings, right? So it's it's definitely it's a tough place to be, right, especially now with all the mental health stuff, with depression, anxiety, fears, and all, everything just get riddling up, especially with COVID. It's happening. It's It's immense in our community, and nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about how addiction is so prevalent due to the, the, the I guess, the backlash, the fear of judgment, the fear of um, being shunned, right? So all that being said, um, I, I didn't know where to look for help. I didn't know what to do. And then, like, you know, I, I got to graduate. I got a career going and everything like that. I started ticking those boxes. But at the same time, I was, you know, as they say, a weekend warrior, go out, have fun. And then I was living a triple life for a very, very long time. I would have my work life, home life here and there. I would go to Joma hungover. And then that same night, I'd be back at the clubs, whatever, right? Like it's, I was like, oh, as long as I'm going to Joma, right? That mentality, don't miss Friday prayer. But, and then when Ramadan would come around, that's when you kind of, you know, <laughs> the the intensity of all the uh, partying and stuff will kind of go down. The dial will go down for those 30 days and then it'll crank right back up right after eight prayer. You know, let's go boys. Let's do this, that kind of thing. And uh, that, that that's the way we did it, right? That's the way for a long, long time until what happened is a couple things didn't go my way and living that triple life didn't last that long. You can only play the balancing act until it starts to tip. And then when it tipped for me, like, you know, I was working at a very good, cushy corporate six-figure position. And at the same time, I had, you know, 
condo in downtown of the city I was living in. And then uh, at the same time, brand new car, like I said, all the, and an education to back it, everything was ticked off, but then there's still the emptiness and that void inside. And I started filling it with drugs and alcohol. And then more so after it was more drugs, more drugs, more drugs, more drugs. And then stress started to pile on and that just tipped it for me. And, uh, you know, I, I went heavy duty into several different kinds of drugs and then subhanAllah, it's, uh, it's crazy. I, I never thought that that would happen. You always set yourself like, you know, even in high school and like, and early adult, like, you know, in your early twenties, mid twenties, like right now I'm down 31 I'm alive, I'm breathing and I'm healthy and I have, I'm, and I'm working out of town right now, but at the same time, it's due to the fact that I got, you know, blessed and I got guided right back, not just to Islam, but it was through the 12 steps. Right. So what I'm happening with me is long story short, the the whole process of you know trying to get out of addiction because you're in a place of loneliness despair hopelessness tons of fear and like just don't know what to do i wish somebody was i wish there was some sort of like you know outlet or a hotline or something i could have called all i had was at my work there was a, a service called the Chappelle service or whatnot you could take a stress leave or you can like try to call like a psychiatrist or a counselor but I was like, they don't understand me. They don't like that. There's no, it's like, there's no disc, there's no connection because they don't know what my Islamic background is or where my cultural background is and this and that. They're just looking at the theoretical aspect of what the books say, what humans say, but uh, they don't know what it is like to be dealing with not just the social media void, not just the internet like void, because what happens in addiction, you try to find anything to fill that void whether it is drugs alcohol sex a lot of people go to gambling video games social media all of those fall under the umbrella of addiction anything that you're obsessively compulsively thinking about and you'll do anything to get it and do it you'll lie manipulate cheat steal you will try to avoid your loved ones right you do anything to get out of self or to get that addiction is an addiction so like if for example you wake up and all you think about is that one thing then you're addicted if the when you're thinking about that one thing and then as soon as you get it you have that finally you have that ease and comfort when it's in your hand or when it's in your body or when you've just done it and you're chasing that high and you just got it and then you find like ah oh, i got it that's an addiction whether you just lost tens of thousands of dollars or put your mortgage on gambling or, you know, on the other side of things where you're just like trying to hide from everyone to watch porn, that is an addiction, right? So it's, it's a wide variety. And like we, right now, we're trying to set up a place that you can come and uh, get help, right? As a, as a Muslim and, you know, whether, you know, uh, you're lost, not just in your dean, but in your life, and then you don't know what to do, like reach out and know that there is help and support. So right back to my own story is the fact that I was living in Calgary at that time and I had to take a stress leave from work. And I was around 27, 20, 20, I was like 27, turning 28 around that time. It was just about three, three and a half years ago. And I ended up uh, 
you know, take a stress leave. And I ended up my, my lease finished on my condo. I didn't even try to renew it. I was just in this place of depression and despair and hopelessness. I, and then like, you know, I stopped paying my car payments. All I was thinking about was drugs, 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 right. Cause like I needed to get the fix. And it was a, a fear of withdrawal because the drug that I was addicted to, there's a heavy withdrawal on the body. And then that's a huge fear of mine at that time was to not get into withdrawal. And subhanAllah, what ended up happening is, uh, I was actually driving back from Calgary to Vancouver and I reached out to my sister and I was like, Hey, you know what? Is there a place that we can, that I, do we know anyone in, in like Kamloops or anywhere in my halfway point of, uh, of my drive from Calgary to Vancouver. And then she reached out to one of uh, her sisters she went to school with and like in the MSA system and uh, Muslim student association. And they, they lived in Kamloops and subhanAllah, they, they, were waiting for me and they gave me the the code to the mosque and you know i was in my full-blown addiction and all i wanted to do was get back to bc get back to my family get the treatment or get some sort of help i knew i needed help and right at that time allah actually opened his doors you know it uh, brings tears to my eyes because it's full circle i'm sitting inside in kamloops right now like a couple of years later, clean, sober, and no obsession. And alhamdulillah, it's because Allah opened the doors. When you when you want help, it will be there. When you sincerely want it, it will be there. So that night when I was coming back, it was like two in the morning, and I hadn't slept for a long time, and I just needed a place of refuge. And all of a sudden, like they had food, they put food for me. They gave me the code to the mosque, and I got to rest a couple hours and get back on the road. But you know, it was at that time that. Uh, I knew that you know I'm 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 going in the right direction, and then soon thereafter I came back to BC, ended up in a treatment center, and then I got kicked out of there as well because what happened is I ended up getting the drugs that I wanted, and I wasn't ready to change, and I gave some to my roommate, and he ended up overdosing and passing away, and I got kicked out, and that's when it finally clicked. I was like, you know what, I'm powerless, and I accepted and surrendered. I have a problem, and I need to do something now or I'm going to die and my mother's going to bury me as well. I don't want to become a statistic. And alhamdulillah for that, like, you know, may that brother rest in peace. Like, you know, may his family heal from that. But I learned something that day and it was the day before Mother's Day. You know, like, I, I it really hit home for me. And like, you know, uh, the fact that that had to happen for me to do whatever it took or for that enough pain and suffering had to happen for that willingness to get kicked up. I'm, I'm, I'm truly, truly grateful for that because I had a choice right then and there, continue down that path and die and become a statistic or do whatever it takes and do, you know, and, and, and get help. So what I'm happening is I stumbled upon Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, and 12 step program. And at that time, I did the set of steps. I started going to AA meetings. I started trying to connect and stuff like that. And it slowly, I detoxed and, and had a spiritual awakening as a result of those 12 steps. And then part of it is to carry the, carry the message to the alcoholic or addict who still suffers. Right. And that, that's what we're trying to do right now. And then like soon thereafter, like about a year, year and a half after I stumbled upon uh, the Muslim care center, I wanted to like hand out sandwiches down on East Hastings, you know, give back to the addicts. And it's crazy. It goes whirlwind. I used to hang out down there. I used to use drugs down there. I used to chill out in the back alleys, even though I had a home to go to. I went there because that's where there wasn't judgment, right? And you can hang out with your kind. But then it goes full circle, standing there handing out sandwiches. And in the WhatsApp group that day, 
bam, it was like addiction and mental health uh, talk seminar at the at the Max Center right on Kingsway in Vancouver. And I was like, you know what? I got to go to it. There's, so there was a calling inside. I was like, I need to go to it. And I went there and there's amazing brothers like Yusuf, Brother Tarek, you know, Brother Kaur, and then like, you know, all the sisters from the NASAP program and all the counselors and stuff. It was awesome. It, it that's where like Allah brought me right into that and was like, you know what, you gotta you gotta help out the best you can or be be, you know, this is this is your uh, herd in a sense, right? To give back to the Muslim community. Because uh I had a dream that, you know, we had posters up in the different masjids that, you know, if you need if you have an if you help an addiction issue, addiction problem in your family or any family members, loved ones, please reach out. And then that was in the dream right before that WhatsApp message. And all of a sudden, bam, I was sitting in that seminar. I was like, hey, you know what? How can I help? How can I be part of this? And then what we did is we started a Muslim 12-step uh, meeting, right, at the Surrey Library every Friday night. And it was just like, you know, for like for, for Muslims who've gone through the same thing, that had the identity crisis, that didn't know what to do, that got involved with drugs and alcohol, or, you know, just any type of addiction and uh we wanted a safe place that there's it's judgment free you we have a solution to help you if you want it and at the same time one of the biggest biggest spiritual foundations of it is anonymity confidentiality nobody knows that you're going to come and the only reason why i'm here talking uh with brother Tarek and yusuf and stuff like you know like giving this message out is the fact that we had a brother, we had a Muslim brother, you know, like just, uh, he was in the Muslim community, you know, his family was in the Muslim community and his mom went to the Imam. This was many years ago. And, you know, my son, she said, my son's in addiction. We need help. What should we do? Like, how could we like, blah, blah, blah. He's in and out of jail. And, and, you know, like he, he needs help. And the, the, the community shunned them judge them and like through that a lot a lot of parents face this and nobody talks about it they'll be involved in the in 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 any of the massage in the in the lower mainland or anywhere and then what happens one of the children ends up in addiction and then everyone starts asking oh where's so and so where's abdullah where's me now where's like abdurrahman all this and that and all of a sudden they, they start feeling this guilt and shame and then they start to retract they only show up for juma and they're gone just before anybody can ever ask and that guilt and shame inside starts to separate that and starts to break up our community. And then nobody knows what to do. And what ended up happening with that brother whose mother went to that mosque and asked for help. And once like, you know, they, they kind of got shunned and like, sorry, we, you know, there's, there's nothing we can really do for you. That kind of thing, like go somewhere else. That brother ended up in jail and then he ended up in a Christian based recovery house and he converted to Christianity. And I met him and he was almost three years. Like I met him when he was a, a year clean at that time, a year clean and sober. And he became a big part of my recovery. And uh, every time Ramadan rolled around, his heart was very, very heavy. And I could see in his eyes. And we had a huge talk about it. And he's like, I miss the masjid. But because of that little resentment or because of how him and his mother were treated and shunned from the community, he ended up staying in Christianity. And it's not about the faith issue. It's the fact that like, you know, we pushed our own Muslim, our own people, our own brothers and sisters in the Ummah away. And then he ended up overdosing and passing away, unfortunately, right before this quarantine and COVID happened. And at his funeral, subhanAllah, there was a Muslim, it was a Christian-based funeral. 
but there was like Muslim aunties and his family members were there. And he, he didn't get that Muslim Islamic janazah because he converted. But at the end of the day, my the point of that story is that we don't want to shun or push away anybody from our ummah, anybody that has addiction or alcoholism, or like, you know, any type of fear of judgment to get shunned from the community. We want to be here to help and support, right? We have like the foundations right now and the Aspire program for the Muslim Food Bank and uh, through the Muslim Care Center and huge, huge backing from like Islamic Relief and the National Zakat, like everybody is all for this and we all want to help, right? So that now that Friday night in-person meeting that we had at the library is actually converted to Thursday night on Zoom. So anybody in Vancouver and British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, all across the country, all across North America, anybody that wants to chime in on the Zoom meeting, it's called Outside the Box Recovery Zoom Meeting, right? And uh, pretty much it's 12-step based. And in the 12 steps, basically, you know, you, you, you learn a lot about yourself. You peel away the layers of the onions, you put pen to paper, and you find out where the baggage from the past is and, like, what kind of resentments. And you kind of work through those, and you, and you talk to somebody, and then you connect with a higher power, a power greater than yourself, which could be Allah or anybody that you choose. And then uh, through that process, you make the amends. You try, start to fix the wreckage of your past. And you have the spiritual awakening, which is like a – a change of mentality, a psychic shift. And through that process, your addiction and, and obsession, alcoholism or anything of that nature can be fixed. There is a solution. I've seen the worst of the worst fix and change their lives. And I'm in it and I'm a testament to that, right? Like I, I was uh, sticking needles in my arms. I was smoking anything out of a pipe and then I was drinking and doing all that stuff. And right now today, Alhamdulillah, I get to sit here as a free Muslim man free brother the only thing i have is drinking coffee but other than that we're trying to push as much and uh, get that support for that thursday night meeting and um, i'm not too sure for the tarik if you have any questions yeah but. well well what, what what i wanted to to do is number one uh, with with real respect for your your candor your your honesty and and to be uh, somebody who's who's willing to speak to our community in this way because as you said uh, in our community, uh, nobody wants to talk about it, and and uh, you know, people, and even that family that you said didn't get support from the masjid. It, it's it's something that is so common, yet uh, there's no, uh, 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 I would say, sensitivity to to support uh, our community in this regard. And coming together with this program, because myself, I know a lot of people. I, I grew up here as well. Went through the whole process what you're you're talking about i i've, I've seen it i i, I you know it, it, it's part of our cultural society that's not compatible with islam but as you said you 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 start to go in with certain circles and this is the accepted cultural lifestyle of, of a lot of people in north america and it, and it's very easy for people here to get uh, uh and especially muslims to get sidetracked and forget who they are because they want to be fitting in with society, fitting in with the peers, fitting in with what all their friends are doing or to be popular, to be cool or whatever it is. There's so many of these, these pressures to, to be something other than what our Islamic faith tells us to. And now you brought up the, the 12-step program and I've heard about the 12-step program, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous my whole life, but I never, 
understood what it was or what it meant or how it came to be, and then what the actual 12 steps are. So maybe if you wouldn't mind talking about how did the 12 steps get established, like what's the history of it and what is the impact of the the 12 step Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous program worldwide? That's a great question. Um, So what ended up happening with Alcoholics Anonymous, here one second, here I'm gonna quickly show you guys real quick. It's this book right here, Alcoholics Anonymous. And like, you can order this online or you can, get it or we can send one to you if you have a family member or friend that needs needs help or support this book itself was published in 1939 and it was a it was between a new york stockbroker named bill w and a doctor bob dr bob and he uh they they pretty much it was it came from a the oxford group which was a six-step program in the late 1800s and early 1900s and then right when the stock market crashed in 1929 and a lot of people came back from uh, World War One. There was a lot of war vets and alcoholism and an addiction. Even at that time, there was very high power sedatives and different types of drugs. And like there was sanitariums and like insane asylums because it sent all the drunks and addicts to psych wards pretty much and didn't know what to do with them. Just uh, labeled them crazy and sent them off. Right. And most of them uh, got uh, wet brain, which like means that they completely severely brain damage. And what happened is these two guys, the stockbroker and the doctor got together and they created this 12 step program. They both had a spiritual awakening, went and made their amends. And then through that process, got this book published by the first 100 that recovered from alcoholism and addiction. So basically uh, through that process, as soon as it got published in 1939, it took off. And then, you know, within a, there was that first edition book and then there was a second edition and the groups grew really, really quickly throughout the States and then came up to Canada and then across Europe and then Asia. And then I believe it was in 1940, after this book was published for one year, John D. Rockefeller himself had a huge gala dinner and they brought these guys in to talk and they even endorsed this program, but they, they didn't endorse it financially. They endorsed it and published it even more in the newspapers. And once that happened, everybody got word of it and it just went like global right so through that one very powerful uh, person it, it just grew so people started to help and then uh there was groups established and then uh yeah so this last version i think the fourth edition was uh, published in 2001 and by that time there was well over two million at numbers conservative well over two million members of active members of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then through this 12 step, this is like the grandfather of all the 12 step programs. And uh, through it, Narcotics Anonymous was created, I believe in the 1980s. And then uh, also Cocaine Anonymous and then Gambling Anonymous came later and then Overeaters Anonymous and like, you know, Marijuana Marijuana Anonymous is all of those uh, that stemmed from Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 steps, and all of these came through that. So I usually go right there, and that's where our uh, Zoom meeting for Thursday night outside the box meeting is based off this 12 steps, and uh, we don't judge against drugs or alcohol or anything. And, uh, you know, to get a hold of us is there's an email on the poster outside the box meeting at gmail.com. If you have any questions or concerns email that and we could because uh, we don't just allow anybody to just come on to the meeting we we ask for confidentiality and for anonymity purposes that we have our members that are on the screens they don't want to be uh they don't want the community to know that they're in there right to protect their identity i'm here just 
for the sake of Allah to to spread a message. I don't really care about judgment and stuff like that, right? At the end of the day, only Allah is going to judge me when I die, right? So, but there's a lot of people who do fear judgment and uh, they don't want to be seen. So, for their purposes, for that anonymity, like, is to email us and we can and reach out and we'll call you. We'll either, if you're in our local area, we'll come meet up with you for coffee and see if this is really right for you and and try to help you. And if not, then if it's a family member or a friend. Or somebody that you know in the community that needs the help, but is way too scared or ashamed to reach out, um, just still reach out to us. That's why it's cool in the Aspire program. We have we have caseworkers, we have counselors, we have the support for the family members and friends. There's also a sister program to Alcoholics Anonymous called Al-Anon for anybody that is uh, affected by somebody in their family or in their friend circle or in their community that has addiction or alcoholism that uh, they can go and work on themselves and it's and it's basically in a nutshell detaching with love and not taking on the other person's addiction because it's a family affair right when i was in my addiction obviously my mom there was many many years that she could not sleep well and i bet there's many mothers and many parents out there that can that can uh, you know relate to that that you know when you have a family member in addiction the whole family feels it just like they say one part of the ummah like is is in pain the whole umma is in pain same thing with the, the 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 family same thing with the community right so it's it's definitely there so once we start healing from within inshallah then we can try to move forward and maybe connect better as an umma as a muslim community and to to be better in the society right so that's what we're trying to do fix the ailments not just like we got to look at this as a as an illness as a disease because uh, if you don't then then there's always going to be judgment upon it, right? That's why in the 12 steps, we try to look at addiction as that. So like, you know, if there's a cancer patient, you you give them a lot of, uh, you know, either respect or you try to like, you know, um, confine and then and help them and be there morally, emotionally, mentally, even financially, right? You'll come to the family and visit them. But then when there's somebody in addiction, you kind of like look down, hey, oh, this person's weak-willed or they just... They just don't know how to stop or this and that, but they don't understand that the the, the alcohol and drugs is a, a symptom of something that's happening underneath, which I was trying to say for myself personally, I can only speak for myself, is that identity crisis, right? I didn't know who I was. I, I lost myself in, uh, in growing up here and uh, I just kept filling that with drugs and alcohol, right? And, and a huge basis of that is depression. When you have an identity crisis, anxiety, right? And then any type of mental health stuff, there's a lot of suicidal thoughts. And I had a lot of that. You know, when you dig yourself in a deep hole, it's really hard to find yourself. And that's a cool thing about Alcoholics Anonymous is that when there's an addict or alcoholic stuck at the bottom of this hole that they've dug, a lot of people walk by and they'll throw a book at them or they'll say, hey, you know, I'll watch this video or, you know, I'll go see this doctor or go do this, go do that kind of treatment. But we jump into that hole with the person and we show them a way out. That's pretty much our and, purpose. And, and Gian, to, thank you for, for that detailed explanation. And I, I think what's critical, what you said, that, uh, you know, some people that, that don't know what addiction is, they think, somehow somebody's choosing to be an addict, which, which, uh, again, this is a, a mental health issue. It's a health issue. It's beyond the person's control. They are full-blown addicted, no matter how many lectures, how many Islamic talks, wazifas, uh, any of that, it, to help this type of illness, 
requires uh, requires uh, this type of format to be able to help support the person to get out of the addiction. And I think one thing I didn't understand about AA and NA and the 12-step program and Brother Cower, after many discussions, I finally understood what, what he meant. He says it's addicts helping addicts uh, without judgment and anonymous. Whereas I thought somehow with counselors and uh, psychologists and therapists, uh, uh, from what he was saying, the psychology of an addict is that they don't necessarily want to be analyzed. They, they want to be with somebody that's been through it. That, and I think this is what is compelling about AA, NA, and the 12-step program. It is addicts helping addicts in a group format without judgment to celebrate each other's sobriety uh, over milestones, whether it's six months, 12 months, two years, to, to basically help provide that community support uh, in person, at least uh, prior to COVID, to provide that support and structure and the 12 steps as, as a strategy to stay out of addiction. Yep, that's, uh, that's pretty much bang on. It's peer-to-peer support, right? Someone who's been there, done that, understands exactly how you're feeling or what you're going through. Like I said, comes down into that hole that you've dug and shows you how to come back up, right? How to heal, how to uh, get as far away from the addiction as possible and, and know what kind of work to do and who to connect with as well. Because at the end of the day, it's it, we look at it like as a holistic approach. It's not a one-stop shop. It's a stepping stone to try to get to where you need to get to right like um then that's what we try to do and if 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 it's not the right fit for you then we try to help you get to or help you navigate somewhere right and and be there because uh it's it's case by case right not uh this isn't a cookie cutter disease you have people from all walks of life in alcoholics anonymous we have people with no education that lived on the streets and uh you know burned their whole lives to the ground or never had a life. And there's other people that were right at the top, CEOs, doctors, lawyers, accountants, professionals, brothers and sisters with PhDs, masters, and stuff like that. And and they're stuck in this addiction and they don't know what to do, right? So the cool thing about this book is that right in the back, uh, it's only the first 164 pages, which is part of the steps, right? And then after that, it's just stories. It's literally stories so it's this amount of like work or reading and then somebody takes one addict, alcoholic, takes another person through it and teaches them the 12 steps. <clears throat> but then the rest of it is stories of people who have come and their different backgrounds. And in there, I, I there's countless lawyers and there's countless doctors and there's countless professionals that say their story of how they healed or how they how they got better through doing those first 164 pages, right, of this book. And it's it's such a beautiful thing. And uh, it, the whole purpose of it is to get out of self, get out of fear, and don't be and not be selfish and self-centered and work on your resentments. And through that process of healing, you get to go and help others because you don't stay sober or clean. You have to go and help others and be of service, right? And whether that's in your community, to your family, or to another addict or alcoholic, it's being of service. And that's the cool aspect. And that's like the... I think uh, it's divinely written in a sense that like it, you can choose your God, right? And we're here to help Muslims guide them either back or guide them to some sort of place that they can be better sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, cousins, 
employee or employer or you know members of the community and society inshallah right and then that way we can heal as a whole and agreed and and brother Gian, with regards to the 12 steps themselves just to be uh, i know um uh, time wise you you have to leave shortly but uh, if you do have a bit more time um the 12 steps themselves if you wouldn't mind if i could read each step and you can just quickly uh just uh, uh, elaborate on it uh, because I think a lot of people have heard of the 12 steps and then even some may have a doubt how is this compatible Islamically somebody mm -hmm. once uh, told me all knowledge is Islamic knowledge and if there's a strategy that works and that's proven that can help people uh, and it's compatible with Islam like like this is this is what we need to do and I think a lot of people don't know what the 12 steps are or they have an assumption that it is uh, another faith that uh, that is being promoted so to dispel that misconception let's start with the 12 steps and step one is uh, uh, powerlessness we admitted we are powerless over our addiction that our lives had become unmanageable please uh, talk about that a little bit uh, no no worries brother Tark. Um, I'm gonna maybe jump a little bit ahead because in my story uh, when I was like you know I finally surrendered and I was powerless. That uh, and I and I finally had a little bit of hope that maybe there's a there's a way out of here, right? Um, so that's why step one is powerless. You get complete deflation, completely broken, and everything. So everybody and you hit a bottom in order to get to step one because like some people lose it all, burn all their bridges, or others just lose a little bit, right? So everybody has a either financial bottom. Uh, physical bottom, mental, emotional bottom, or just a complete spiritual bottom. Everybody comes in at different, different, uh, different phases or different places, or from different walks of life. Like I was saying, it's not a cookie cutter thing. So, the person needs to admit that they're powerless. They need to admit that they're an alcoholic or addict. Like nobody can do that for them. And that's it's pretty interesting because the first, I believe, uh, sixty pages or that's a fifty. Fifty pages actually is uh, all about that step one. Is to quickly tell you guys um, how you know. <laughs> hey, are you an addict? Are you an addict? Are you an addict? It keeps asking in so many different ways that you need to analyze for yourself, right? Like, yeah, you can you can see as many psychiatrists, shrinks, uh, counselors. You can try to talk to like other people that aren't alcoholics or addicts, and like. They can tell you as many times as they want, but until you finally realize that you're powerless, and it goes right into step two, which is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, which is hope, right? Having hope that there is a power greater than us, like connecting to some sort of divinity, whether it's a, it's a God of your understanding, right? And um, for us, obviously, it's Allah, right? And uh, that goes right into step three, which is finally surrendering. Just like I was saying in my story, I got to a place of, uh, you know, hopelessness, despair, uh, loneliness, right? And uh, depression and sadness that uh, I finally did surrender and I know I was powerless and then uh, finally gave it up, right? So that step three is surrender. Right, so step one, two, and three, they go hand in hand, right? And I admitted I was powerless. I finally, I, I, you know, I'm willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself. I have some hope. And then number three, surrender. And now leading into this, this fourth part, inventory. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 
yeah, this is where the, <laughs> I guess they could say the, where the rubber hits the road. You put the pen to the paper and you start writing, you start writing. And then the, there's like a, there's a due process to this and you start writing down, you know, everything in your life that uh, your timeline, your lifeline, your resentments, how people affected you. And then, you know, how you got wronged and, and everything, because majority of the time it always comes down to resentments, who hurt you, who harmed you. And you, and you look at that side of your life and, uh, you know, holding on to that is like poison for the heart. Right. And then, uh, it's so cool how it goes hand in hand with the slam, right? And um, you go through the inventory and then you look at your own part. You go through several different things and you finally look at your own part. Like, where was I selfish? Where was I self-centered? Where was I uh, self-seeking and dishonest? You know, how did that person harm me? Usually it always comes back down to us, what we've done and we started the ball rolling, right? And, uh, and if we haven't, then we also forgive. That's where we pray for the person, we forgive them, and we release it, right? And we release ourselves of that pain. And through that process goes right into the step five, which is like a confession between you and Allah. And then you you tell somebody else, right? Everything in that inventory, anything that's a deep, dark secret that's hiding right here, you go and tell, talk to God and to one other person, and then you just release it from you. And uh, that for me personally, that's where I had a spiritual awakening. I got to let go of some deep, dark secrets that are really haunting me because a lot of it is based around guilt and shame, right? And uh, yeah, so alhamdulillah, that was a huge aspect, right? Admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Not specifically what you did, but the nature of what you did. And through that process, you're healing. And it goes right into step six, which is readiness right and we're entirely ready to have god remove all these defects of character and then step seven humbly ask god to remove our shortcomings right those defects of characters and shortcomings it goes hand in hand with anything in islam and when you make a confession or when you like you know kind of see where your wrongs were and the exact nature of where that guilt and the shame came from then you let those you try to give those up right we're only human beings all of us are human beings. We all make mistakes. And knowing that when you own them and took accountability, and then this is where you get to realize, okay, hey, this is these are my shortcomings. Whether it's greed, ego, lust, you know, any type of uh, any type of humanistic nature, right? Whether where you're lying or cheating and stealing, or whether you're just being hypocritical, you know, it's 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 a place where you realize this. And you fix it. And then you go right into steps eight and nine, which is writing a list of all the people that you have harmed. And then step nine is to go and make an amends, right? To go and fix that up. So for me personally, the second time around, I had a little relapse and then I came back and then I, I did another set of steps. And the second time is this is where I had a way bigger spiritual awakening is because you get to go fix and right all the wrongs whether it's financial physical emotional anything you go make those rights right and uh it's, it's really cool that's where you get freedom that's where you, when you make an amend you also amend that action you're not supposed to do it again if you go because you you cheated or stole from somebody you go give them that money back right you write it because also in the akhirah like they're gonna come and take that sadaqah from you on yom Kiyama. so 
this is where you write all that stuff, right? So if I stole from you, I come and make it right. I give you that money back, for example, and then I don't steal again, right? So that's part of the amends process is you find where you've wronged and find your shortcomings and, and amend them, right? And go get the pieces of you back and clear your side of the street. And then right then and there, step 10, you make a daily inventory. So that's like now you become more aware of what you're doing throughout the day have i lied to somebody today have i cheated somebody today have i have i like you know did anything did i do anything out of lust anything out of greed anything out of ego anything out of self-centeredness and selfishness and you figure that out and who wronged me today that guy cut me off earlier today or you know what so and so yelled at me you write those down and you you pretty much uh, start to clear it up on a daily basis because what happens is throughout our lives we we, we tend to create or have all these incidences and they get imprinted on our brain or imprinted on our heart, right? Those black ticks that end up on our heart, they, they can seal your heart, right? And that's why the daily inventory allows you to clear that as, as your day, as your life, as your months, as everything goes by, you get to clear that, right? And you go right into step 11, which is massive for me, like keep contact conscious contact with the god of your understanding for me is allah right so sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with god as we understood god praying only for knowledge of god's will for us and the power to carry that out so alhamdulillah we in islam we pray five times a day we have our salah that's our conscious contact and anytime you can raise your hands and make dua right and and we we encourage that to the best like for me i anytime i'm not praying I, I get squirrely. I'm not grounded, right? And I need to have that conscious contact. And in the 12 steps, you can be from any religion. The cool thing is you could be Christian, Sikh, Muslim, Hindu, Jewish, Buddhist, anything, any type of religion. And these 12 steps apply to you because you could pray in any way, shape, or form, right? And we're here to let the, the Muslim community know that, hey, you know what? Even if Islam's not your thing, we're not going to judge you. We're just trying to help you connect. And there's been some, a lot of brothers and sisters that I've seen, they've gone, they've strayed far from the deen and they've done the 12 steps. And subhanAllah, they reconnected with Allah. And now they're praying again. Now they're going to Jumma, now they're going to the masjid, and now they're, you know, uh, participating in Islam, right? It's between them and Allah. Right at the end of the day. So that's so cool that this goes hand in hand with Islam. And then right away after that step 11, or as soon as you're doing the steps, you get to step 12, which is helping others, right? Being of service. And that's one of the biggest aspects of staying clean and sober is doing that, going and helping another addict or another alcoholic. And this is part of my step 12, sharing my experience, strength, and hope in order to that uh, alcoholic or addict who's still out there in their addiction and uh, alcoholism to know that there's hope, there is a solution, right? So in here it says, having had a, a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry the message to other addicts, alcoholics, and to practice these principles in all our affairs, right? You don't just have a spiritual awakening and go make all those amends and right your wrongs to do it again. You try to stay on top of it and be the best human being, right? To have honesty, integrity, open-mindedness, willingness, right? And like having all these different spiritual foundations of like selflessness and giving back, right? And understanding, being compassionate and being in a place of love as opposed to judgment, 
right? So that's what we're really, really trying to create here is heal and help people and prevent people from being judgmental on others and looking down, right? And it's a huge and, ego smash. And and yeah. with real respect for, for you telling your story and, and Brother Sauer, like this commitment, like honestly, whenever I hear you guys and when you guys come out publicly to speak like this i'm very humbled by your 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 integrity your honesty your your desire to help and so very happy and very grateful to be able to support uh because we know so many people i've, I've known many people throughout my life that have died because of addiction or still in addiction and for you guys to to be on the front line to to say hey we're we've been there we want to help and we're here to help and this is not just a one-off uh webinar this is a weekly, daily thing that the team you guys have developed are meeting people. And it's not just the brothers, it's sisters as well. And and maybe, uh, Brother John, does, you know, a lot, sometimes people in our community don't know that, you know, Muslim uh, boys and men are in addiction, but sisters are also in addiction. So uh, please do just talk about that as well, because, uh, again, sisters need help as well. No, 100%. I'm so glad you brought that up, Tarek. Uh, it's it's an it's a great honor to be sitting here, you know, as a Muslim man. But at the same time, there's tons of sisters. Like I, I uh, there's a um, there's a program down in in Texas. They have like Muslim counseling and whatnot, and they say that there's lots of hijabi sisters that come through there with addiction problems. They don't know who to go to, right? They don't know how to go about it and get help because uh, they're stuck in some sort of addiction, some sort of trauma, right? And some sort of uh, pain, depression and whatnot, and, um, or anxiety, right? They're just, it's, it's, it's prevalent in our community and nobody talks about it. And like, they, they're too afraid to go to their mothers or fathers because of that judgment and being shunned and like, you know, go read the Quran or go, you know, go do this or go get married. They get thrown into a marriage. And subsequently that does not help. Because if you're not healed from within, all of a sudden you get thrown into a marriage or some sort of like, you know, agreement with somebody else and they're in a different place than you or like, you know, you get sent back home. Here you go. This is going to solve all your problems. We're going to get you married off to some man or like if you're a man from here, some woman overseas. And then there's that cultural disconnect. There's a lot of times that it does work. But then majority of the time, I know a lot of people in our community, our brothers and sisters that are divorcees, right? Because they, the, their parents thought that marriage would help, but it's a, it's an internal problem first and foremost, right? And, and subhanAllah, our sisters are affected greatly by this and they do not know where to go, right? And that's the cool thing about the Aspire program and that there's a lot of resources for counseling and judgment-free place and confidentiality, right? And like, you know that your name will not be plastered anywhere. There's a hotline I know in the NASAP program, safe place to go, and you know tons of caseworkers and counselors that you can call, and we can also connect you. And if there's an addiction issue, our meeting is open for brothers and sisters, right? And um, judgment-free zone. And if you're and if you're worried about that, there's also a women's meeting as well. We can always guide you to, and there's women that have come before, and and you know Jannah is underneath the the mother's feet, as the Prophet used to say, and uh, you know it's. It's such a beautiful thing that we need to help our Muslim sisters that conquer and heal from anything in the past and heal through their addiction because like 
they're the strongest part of our community and we need them. We need them more than ever right now. Inshallah. But I'm so glad you brought that up, Brother Tark. Thank you, Brother Giand. I know there's so many different aspects that we can go into, but I think this was very comprehensive and very detailed. And most importantly, your personal story and your 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 honesty and your uh, desire to be that person. Because I think a lot of people, when they're in addiction or in a problem, when they see somebody who's, who's authentic, who's real, who's trying to help them, who's been through it, uh, by you being... Uh, on this webinar to, to, to do that for people, to give them hope. Uh, a lot of respect for me, a lot of love for me, for, for you guys doing this. Thank and you. I just want to, just want to help uh, people get out of this and just like you guys. And, uh, and thank you again. Um, any other final comments uh, and closing just to maybe remind everybody the the zoom link uh, and the other resources in closing. No, Jazakallah Khair. Uh, thank you so much for all your support and being there and, you know, like uh, helping us have this platform or get, like, you know, growing it uh, through the Muslim Care Center, through the Aspire program of Muslim Food Bank, right? This is nationally. We go right across, right? And uh, there's a lot of partnerships here. And uh, I know when you guys, re like, you know, reached out to all the masajid, all the mosques for having the seminars in person, it was we were booked up every month. There was a new a new a new masjid, and what ended up happening is, I guess, with COVID, everything got like derailed, right? And that's why we're trying to continue on Zoom, trying to connect through uh, the phone line. So if you are having a problem or any family member that's having an issue, we do have that email in the poster outside the box meeting at gmail.com. You know, there's tons of resources on the online as well through the Aspire program underneath the Muslim Food Bank. Uh, tons of those counselors, caseworkers, and you can reach out to any of those resources out there. And, you know, if you, there's so many programs. I wish I could touch upon every single one, just due to time we can't. But uh, we're just one of the little legs in the big umbrella of everything, right? So know that we are on Instagram. We are like uh, the Aspire program, Muslim Care Center. There's tons of uh, help. Even if you're not afflicted by addiction and alcoholism yourself, there's tons of ways to volunteer to get involved, right? And we need to all come together, inshallah, and work together for this. And that's the only reason why I'm here. I'm up. I'm okay with telling my stories because, like, uh, we need some people to step up in order for us to move forward, inshallah. And then we're just in the in in the, the early stages, but there's lots of room for growth, and and we're here for that. Thank you for this opportunity to to come here and to share my experience, strength, and hope. And I hope uh, it reaches the ears and puts hope in the community. And we appreciate it. I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you so much. And uh, we will, uh, uh, I'm sure, have future programs. Uh, we discussed with Brother Tower, others that, that may also want to tell their story. Because, again, like you mentioned, when people can hear from other people they can relate with, like you, uh, it gives them hope and gives them a, a, a point of contact to reach out to to get help no inshallah brother Tark. and then this will be like you're saying this will be a series of webinars we have our uh counselors that will be like i don't know we're gonna have one week on one week off or once a month we're gonna be moving forward our next webinar hopefully that i'm part of will be to interview other faiths that are within the the 12-step program so you know there's some brothers and sisters out there that that have been uh, 20 30 40 50 years sober and clean 
that are that are in the Sikh community, in the Christian community, and in the Muslim community and stuff like that. And we want to have these interfaith dialogues and interviews and also bring on professionals like psychiatrists, Muslim psychiatrists, Muslim doctors. We're going to interview them and look at and really dissect what addiction is, right, and how it affects our community as a whole. And, and you know, maybe having a better understanding and education about this is where when we when you learn about something a little bit more in depth, you have a better understanding and there'll be less judgment and maybe more help and more connectivity, inshallah. That is the goal. So stay tuned for more webinars, inshallah. Agreed. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Jiant, uh, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you again. Thank you so much for this. Have a great one. No problem. Thank you again, Jiant. Bye now. Salam alaikum.